BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hello. It has been a couple of weeks since our last episode, but welcome back to Full Time with Meg Linehan. You are listening to a show all about women's soccer on the Athletic Podcast Network. I'm Meg, your host, and I'm a national staff writer at The Athletic covering the NWSL and the U.S. Women's National Team. Now, between a week of vacation before the madness of April truly set in and then a week digging out from that vacation, Full Time is now back in the swing of things, which is good because we have so much happening. The NWSL Challenge Cup returns on Friday, which also overlaps with a major FIFA window full of international friendlies, including two for the U.S. Women's National Team. We are expecting that settlement in the players versus U.S. soccer lawsuit soon. Champions League is ongoing. Basically, you name it, it is currently happening. So I am back. I've got a quick guide to the Challenge Cup for you to just make sure that you're set for all of the NWSL action ahead over the next month. And then Elise LeHue, GM of Gotham FC, formerly Sky Blue FC, joins full-time to share her perspective on the major news out of New Jersey slash New York this week. As one of the oldest professional clubs opted for a new name, a new crest, and a whole new look ahead of the 2021 season. Now, as always, before we get started, your reminder that you can support this podcast and also get all of the NWSL and U.S. Women's National Team coverage at The Athletic, plus everything else we have to offer with the site and app by signing up for a new subscription at theathletic.com slash full-time. Right now, when you visit theathletic.com slash full-time, you can start your new subscription for $3.99 a month. Now, fun fact, if you are listening to this new episode on Thursday, April 8th, the day that it releases... It is the exact two-year anniversary of my first day at The Athletic. Now, it has been a wild ride, to say the least. We'll put it that way, and not just thanks to the travel I usually do for this job. And while it has been two years in some ways, this does still feel like the beginning. We need to force more and better coverage of women's sports and women's soccer. We need to build this infrastructure. We need more full-time writers. We need those full-time writers to be diverse. We need to force the hands of decision makers and make it impossible to ignore the value of this coverage. But if you have listened to this show before, you know this is pretty much always where my head is at. So thank you for coming along for the ride these past two years, and here is to more. Let's shift over to the news. I am not going to attempt to catch up over the past two weeks, but here are some of the highlights. NWSL Commissioner Lisa Baird spoke to media on Wednesday afternoon, though Honestly, not a ton of new information on the call. She declined to comment, I think, eight times, according to my count, during questions. Um, And despite Wednesday's announcement that the League and NWSL Players Association are negotiating the first collective bargaining agreement between the two sides, Baird did not want to get into further details at this point. 
She also declined to give any further update on the status of Sacramento's expansion bid, but according to sources, Sacramento is on the docket for an NWSL board meeting next week. They are still weighing that potential move for the franchise to San Diego under the ownership of Ron Burkle and Matt Alvarez. Now, the league is also navigating criticism over their policy for transgender athletes, though Baird said on Wednesday that she wants the NWSL to be inclusive and progressive. Steph Young has done some reporting on this front, and I will also have a link on the show notes for a really good article from the Victory Press that details why this new policy is not actually one that actively promotes trans inclusion. Might be a good first step, but there is still clearly some room for improvement. Across the NWSL with the Challenge Cup kicking off on Friday, more on that in a minute, of course. It also has meant new kits for a bunch of clubs, including the Orlando Pride and the Houston Dash, both dropping space-themed kits in a Space Coast versus Space City clash, finally giving a true name to their budding and at times spicy rivalry, the Space Race. Uh, I wrote stories on both of those kits if you are interested, and also got to talk to Najod Marenzi from NASA, so you know my very particular interests have certainly been hit in this design cycle in the NWSL. Also, we are expecting kit launches from Louisville and Gotham FC on Thursday. 75% of the Champions League semifinals are set with Barcelona, Bayern, and Chelsea all advancing through the quarterfinals, but we are waiting for that final team still. Lyon was forced to ask for a postponement with double-digit positive uh, results from COVID-19 tests affecting the squad, and their second leg against PSG has been moved to April 18th. Lyon's COVID struggles are also impacting the upcoming U.S. Women's National Team friendly against France, and not just for the home team. The Federation announced that due to quarantine, Katerina Macario is being dropped from the two April friendlies as she would not be able to report until directly before Saturday's friendly against Sweden, and there was no need to risk an injury as she has not been training. And again, your scheduling reminder that we've got both U.S. Women's National Team friendlies on deck over the next few days, with Sweden up first on Saturday, April 10th at 1 p.m. Eastern. That game is on Fox, Big Fox, followed uh, by that match against France on Tuesday, April 13th at 3 p.m. Eastern on ESPN2. Now, I 100% want to get to Elise and the giant news out of Jersey with that Gotham FC rebrand, but I also wanted to spend a few minutes on getting listeners all set for the Challenge Cup. The Challenge Cup features 21 games total, once again airing across the CBS platforms for viewers in the U.S. and Canada, and on Twitch for international viewers. No bubble this time around. Games will be in home markets, and some teams are going to be able to allow fans in the stadiums based on local guidance. The 10 teams of the league have been split into East and West divisions. In the East, Gotham FC, again formerly known as Sky Blue FC, it is going to be an adjustment for us all, I am sure. Washington Spirit, North Carolina Courage, Racing Louisville FC, and Orlando Pride. In the West, we've got Chicago Red Stars, Kansas City, Houston Dash, OL Reign, and Portland Thorns FC. Each team plays four games, and the top team from the East and West will face off in the final. That location is still TBD. Draws are okay in the group stage, but if the final is still even at the end of regular time, it will be settled by penalties. The NWSL will still allow five substitutions in these games and also use the tournament to test out new rules around concussion substitutes as well. For folks watching on CBS platforms, 
Consider this one of the many reminders you will probably get this week that CBS All Access is now Paramount+. Plus. If you've been watching Men's Champions League, you already know this. Four games will air on CBS Sports Network, including Friday's opener between the Houston Dash and the Chicago Red Stars. That's a rematch of the 2020 Challenge Cup Final. The championship will air on Big CBS, and that game will be mirrored on Paramount+. Plus. JP Della Camera will join Ali Wagner in the booth for Friday night's opener plus the tournament final, and Jen Hildreth and Lori Lindsay will be on the call for the three other CBS Sports Network matches. And again, just another reminder that this tournament is starting off at the same time as the FIFA window with U.S., Canada, England, Ireland, Japan, many other countries all taking advantage of this window with friendly, so a lot of players are going to be missing out for these opening games of the Challenge Cup. This is definitely the quick version of a preview, but for a full schedule on all the games, for some other thoughts from me, there is a link in the show notes to my story on the tournament itself and how this version is definitely a bit different than the 2020 edition. So while Elise LaHue's team gets to wait a bit for their first match of the Challenge Cup, she has still been plenty busy overseeing an entire rebranding of Sky Blue FC to New Jersey, New York Gotham FC. Elise walked me through the whys and the hows of this team's brand new look, plus shared some thoughts on what comes next. So here's Elise. All right, Elise. Um, First of all, welcome to Full Time. You have been on my list of people to have on the podcast basically since it started. And then I feel like the two of us just are nonstop busy. Um, But you have been extremely busy because now you are no longer the general manager of Sky Blue FC. You are the general manager of Gotham FC. So I want to let's just start. Let's just start with when did this start? Yeah, uh, thanks for having me on. I was I was wondering in the beginning, I was like, have I been on this before? With Meg? <laughs> I mean, we just like, we, we talk a lot. So I was like, yeah. I've been on, I think, but was it this podcast or a different one? So anyway, thanks for having me. I guess it is my first time. Yeah, I came in, uh, I was put in as GM um, about two years ago, actually, eight this April. So it's unbelievable that it's been two years to be quite honest. It's mm-hmm. uh, been one of those, what is time things when you're in the middle yeah. of a pandemic. Um, but you know, when I, when I first came in, it was always something that I wanted to at least explore, but it was, you know, just a, a light exploration. It was talking to our fans. It was communicating with them, seeing how they were feeling about the brand. Were, were they proud of it? Was it something that we felt we could, you know, take into the future? So it started with just kind of the very simple stuff, surveying with fans and a lot of one-on-one conversations. And I think as as time went on over that first year, when we were gaining back the trust of our fans, the, all signs really pointed to that there was an interest in at least exploring it. It wasn't a full like, yes, we're going to do this, but there was at least an interest there. Yeah, I, I actually went back because you started in your role in April 2019. I started in my role in April 2019. So I do feel like we are both on this like two-year track of having our jobs be very intense <laughs> over the past two years. But, you know, I went back to that first article that I wrote. I went out to the first home game of that Sky Blue FC season in 2019 and talked to you about, okay, what is the work? going to look like and even then you were asking these bigger picture questions of like where are we going to play where are we going to train who are we as a team right and I remember you saying everything is on the table and it was really funny for me to go back and read that first article and be like wow she's asking a lot of questions and now two years later 
really every single question that you have been asking has been answered to some extent, right? Red Bull Arena, Red yeah. Bull Training Facility, apparently Gotham FC. Yeah. I, I love accountability when it kind of works out, when it doesn't. When somebody's <laughs> going back like a couple of years ago and be like, but you said this. Yeah. But yeah, I, I mean... From the beginning, it was always, it was micro and macro. You know, we were looking at what were the, the immediate things we needed to do as a club. And again, both both I and Tammy Murphy, one of the owners, kind of came in hand in hand together in, in April of 2019. And it was a blocking and tackling procedure of going, okay, what are, what are the quickest things we can do right now, right here? What are the, the micro level things? But I'm always a big vision person. I'm a big dreamer. So I've got, I've got plots and plans and things that I'm thinking of and, and big dreams. So we had to start asking those questions then, because again, those, if you don't ask those questions, then, you know, you're going to be behind the ball. I mean, right now I'm looking at things for two and three years out from now that you can hold me accountable to later. So um, <laughs> okay. always thinking about those, those big picture items, but um, it was cool for me to read that too. When you posted that yesterday, I saw that um, again, it's nice when uh, you can be held accountable for things that you're actually fulfilling along the way. Right. I, the other big picture thing that before we actually get into the new brand and the new crest and, and everything that comes along with that, just in terms of you know, I think one of the bigger picture items that has always been on the list is how do you unlock New York City, right? And as someone who resides in New York City and has previously been very familiar with the amount of effort that it took to get to Old Sky Blue Games at, at Rutgers, right? But also now the new version of that where um, Red Bull Arena is a little more accessible slash the kind of like in-between stop that you've got as well at, at Montclair State. But in terms of what has been done so far and what you think is maybe still on the table in terms of figuring out how New York City becomes as integral to the identity of the team, right? Obviously, with this rebrand, it is New Jersey first, but New York is now actually a part of the team name. So where, where are you at in terms of that larger work of, okay, New York is actually going to be a part of our identity, but a part of our mission as well? Yeah, it was crucially important that we retained our New Jersey roots. We, we live here, work here, play here, um, have, have been a part of this state for our entire history. So there was, there was no interest in sort of just leaving that behind while we're still here. I think that would, wouldn't have been the right approach. And certainly in all of these conversations with our fans, there's a lot of New Jersey pride about this team, as there should be. We have a lot of fans here from New Jersey. But as we heat mapped our fans um, over the last couple of years, we realized our, our fan base reaches pretty far. I mean, we're up the whole Eastern corridor in terms of fans that do drive into our home games. So, um, and New York was a big part of that. And we have a lot of fans that have lived in New York and have supported this team for many, many years. And it was important for them to to feel involved in the process as well. So when we came to this conclusion to use the, the NJNY, both New Jersey and New York, it again, and was driven by our fans that they, the New Jersey fans sort of understood that we have a lot of fans that are coming from New York, while at the same time, the New York fans understood that our roots are in New Jersey. So um, this is one of the rare moments of mutual respect between the two that uh, <laughs> as we explored this, because we can be honest, there's some disparate properties to both, but right. um, but it, it actually came naturally um, in this process. So um, I, I can't lie, it was surprising to me as well as we went through this process, but um, it's, it's an exciting rebrand for us overall. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. 
Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Yeah, just so in terms of the rebrand, I know that there was a lot of, you know, I've been kind of quietly forwarded one of the fan surveys that went out kind of early in this process. And taking a look at that and just seeing like, it almost seemed like, okay, we're going to ask people that we know support this team, like, here's everything that we kind of got on the table. Where do you land? So what was this process from from an actual brand identity, like design, there's so much happening kind of all at the same time. Did it start with basically saying to the fans, like, here's what we're thinking? Are we are we heading in the right direction? Yeah, it was just putting all the content out there. And I always say it's sort of three part um, in terms of, well, probably four part. You've got you've got just the logo and the design and the elements of the design. Um, you've got the geography. Um, so, you know, what, what geography do you want attached to this? The coloring is really important um, in it as well as you're looking at that. Um, so for us, we, we went into it sort of talking to fans about all of those aspects um, and saying, how do you feel about this? How do you feel about the colors? How do you feel about the visual identity? Does it describe you? Do you, do you feel proud of it? Um, the name and taking all of those elements kind of almost one by one and exploring them and even going into things like the star that was on top of the crest that represented mm-hmm. that 2009 WPS championship and saying, cause I, when I had gone in, I hadn't really thought about using that as a conversation. I just assumed it would stay there. But we had fans actually say like, I don't get why that's still there. You're in, you're in NWSL now. And I was like, oh, okay. We're happy to talk about this. No problem. Yeah. So, so I went into it extremely open-minded and I think it was important that every element was allowed to be on the table and to allowed to be explored. And we tried to, and in most of the surveys, we would always have a comment box where just, Hey, did we miss something? Is there something else you want to talk about here? And we read every single thing that came in. And that was, um, again, just an important part of this process and analyzing sort of every aspect of the brand overall. Yeah. Just in terms of, I mean, that is a very interesting approach to, looking at a design just in terms of you've got so much feedback and you're trying to funnel it into this sort of productive process, right? Like I can't imagine that that is just as someone who has has sent out surveys before and also left an open comment box and then be, like actually seen how much people would like to write in there. In terms of time that went into this, where where are we looking at in terms of like your hours, maybe the overall project hours? Well, okay. judging, I'm, you can see my face. So it's been <laughs> a lot of hours, I think, uh, <laughs> you know, coming up to launch day. But um, yeah, it was it was a delicate and detailed process. Um, we wanted to get it, get it right as much as we could. And it was important that, again, I'm being super repetitive, but that the fans were involved along the way and they had to be a part of it. But we also... Obviously, owners, our front office, our players, everybody was surveyed mm-hmm. across the whole board. So um, we we sent out surveys to our players that were unanimous so that they could say whatever they wanted to say. Um, and they wrote in the comment boxes, too. And I read all those. So, um, you know, the comment boxes can be a scary place because people are, are very, very proud of certain elements that they're, you know. And, and this is a club that has a very long history. It's one of the oldest women's soccer clubs in the country. 
um, you can expect with that, there's a lot of pride and a lot of opinion to that. So again, it was crucial that we, we really went into it very, very open-minded in the process and listened to everything we could listen to. And we went from the whole phase of, I remember way back when I actually started with just in individual phone calls. I have my little notepad still where I was like talking to somebody, a little mini notepad. I remember I'd be sitting out at training one day because that was the only time they could get on the phone and having individual conversations. I was just saying like, how do you feel about the colors? Like, how do you feel about the name? And just going through my little list of questions, that's where it started. And then it kind of culminated. We went all the way through to doing actual individual focus groups with some of our, our biggest supporters and those were so eye-opening for me. And actually I want to do them all the time now because it was it was so informational for me just about their sentiments around the club and the region mm-hmm. and how they felt. Um, so it was a process that was that was really broad, included a lot of different mechanisms. We felt that the surveys weren't enough. You know, it had to be both individual converse, conversations, surveys, and getting into these uh, more town hall and more focus group style conversations. So it was it was a lot of time we spent. <laughs> we wanted to get it right. All right, so let's start with the name, with, with New Jersey, New York, Gotham FC. Obviously, I, I did already see a bit of banter from Chicago since the Batman comics have now relocated Gotham to Chicago. Slash, I'm pretty sure that there's the movie influence as well. Uh, was in theory Chicago, but obviously, like for for if you Google Gotham City, right, like that is New York City as a concept, but it also technically, I think, in the comics was actually located in New Jersey. So that was my own little, like, oh, that's a fun nod of. It has both. But where yeah. where does the name start from? Yeah, just in terms of our process with it. Mm-hmm. it. It just, it came up. There were, I mean, at some point, I think we had hundreds of names on a list that we were, we were looking at. And um, we had sort of narrowed that down while also taking a lot of the fan feedback around it. So through these process, we just continue to narrow down and narrow down and narrow down the name list. Um, so I, I think you hit the nail on the head. Gotham is sort of this abstract thing. It's not like technically sort of a, a real tangible location. Um, it's been used in literature for you know hundreds of years. Mm-hmm. Um, as you mentioned, it's, it's become a nickname for New York City. But if you go into the, the backstory of it, I think the, the original Gotham is somewhere in New Jersey. Yeah. Um, so it's got these neat connotations where it can sort of be claimed by both sides, right? Like the Statue right. of Liberty. So right. that was, I think, these elements of sort of we were finding things that can sort of be claimed by New Jersey and claimed by New York. Whatever about Chicago coming in there? But, you know, I have a long history in Chicago. So yeah, I was going to say it's not like you are a stranger to Chicago. Yeah. So it's it's kind of a funny nod for me that Chicago would be involved in the process. But um, yeah, it had these sort of um, this neutrality in a way between the both, where it can be representative of both. And again, that little nod to you know the original Gotham being in New Jersey. Um, so I think there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of fun in it. It's a mm-hmm. fun name. Um, I think there's a lot we can do it do with it from a creativity standpoint. So it's both gre- both geographical, but also it has kind of this sentiment to it that's gritty superhero um, type of sentiment. So for yeah. us as we explored that, I think that's what resonated with fans around it. Um, and certainly for us as a front office, we're really excited um, when that kind of came to the forefront as one of the options. They're like, okay, we can we can do a lot with this. This will be really fun. Yeah. It also seems like there is now this kind of natural setup for, you know, obviously Angel City has not played a game yet, right? But mm-hmm. there is always going to be the expectation that LA and a New York 
ish mm-hmm. team are going to inevitably turn into some form of potential yeah. rivals in some in some form. But now also with the names, it feels like there is this kind of perfect setup of abstract concept nicknames ready for, you know, we obviously now have this new space race in the NWSL, but like it almost seems like we are now, we already know what the next one on deck is as well. Yeah, I, I always love that as part of the process. I was always saying like, yeah, Gotham versus Angel City, you know, and our <laughs> when we were in the focus groups, our fans were so revved up. They're like, yeah, we're like the antithesis of Angel City, we're Gotham, you know, and it was like this very dark, like kind of kick-ass type of thing. And I was like, right. okay, everybody, okay. <laughs> we're not quite there yet. They don't have a roster yet, so we'll, we'll get there. But um, right. just seeing the excitement from our fans as they talked through that, I was like, there's a lot of pride in this. This is this is fun. And honestly, I think it, it'll be great for the league, to, to your point, this Gotham versus Angel City. It's very superhero-esque, and, and it's yeah. kind of a fun, fun name. So, And yeah. New York and New York, New Jersey uh, versus L.A., we should be rivals. Yeah. No, I mean... I, I, to be fair, I come from Boston, so like I'm very used to mentally thinking like Boston versus LA because I grew up as an NBA fan, and thus that was kind of like the rivalry. But then also like once you get here, like the conversation is always like New York, LA, New York, and I'm just like, okay, well, at least now we have the NWSL version of that. So <laughs> slowly but surely, we're getting there. I do want to talk to you about the colors, right? As as part of this design process, because I I think it's been really funny where. I think a lot of people mentally are thinking that the color actually in, obviously there's a lot of black and white. The team had already kind of embraced that color scheme, I think a bit in 2020 with the home and away kits. Um, But I think people are mentally going like, that's green. Even though if you look at the design stuff, it is all that kind of, I mean, it's basically the exact same shade of sky blue that I think was in use for, for graphics last year and all that kind of stuff. But I think mentally people see the the crest, they go Lady of Liberty green. And so like, I know I've even had a couple conversations where I'm like, no, it's not green. I promise. Like if you actually look, it is blue. Yeah, it's, it's definitely blue. Um, and that was, uh, I I think you just said it there, you know, we, we transitioned that, um, kind of original sky blue logo, which was Navy blue and orange had no blue in it, which, I mean, the the embrace of orange for the original Sky Blue team, especially orange kits, was always one of my favorite strange NWSL things. It's unique. You know, it's (laughs) it's very unique. Um, So we transitioned. We we put together a whole new brand guidelines while retaining the logo. And part of it was kind of explorational for us and being able to do that where we we brought in the Sky Blue color. So we really transitioned to a Sky Blue white with a lot of accents of black. We did actually keep that orange color. We went a little, little more um, lighter with it, but that was mm-hmm. an accent color that we used over the last couple of years. But um, the the transition to that color scheme was ex- incredibly positive. I think people really liked the sky blue color in our logo moving forward. So yeah, it's definitely it's actually that that similar color. We just pulled it forward from, yeah. from the last logo change. Um, obviously, with the Statue of Liberty because there's this this greenish color to her. I think that's where the sentiment comes from, but the the blue that we're using is is still we call it our official color name is sky blue. Mm-hmm. Um, that that was actually pulled from our logo transition over the last couple of years. Yeah, I mean it's been really interesting for me because obviously with Orlando, Houston, like we're getting a whole bunch of kits with the season upcoming, right? So I've had a lot of conversations about teams having these kind of iconic colors because obviously with the Houston Dash, 
you look at the Houston Dash and you expect to see orange. Mm -hmm. You look at the Orlando Pride and you expect to see purple. Mm-hmm. Louisville obviously has a very interesting color scheme. Their their kits are dropping this week as well. Like we are expecting to see that kind of like lighter shade of of lavender and mint green in some mm-hmm. form, right? Um so sky blue in theory should have always been owning a sky blue color just by virtue of the name, but again, has always kind of been in that weird, like historical identity of navy and orange. Mm-hmm. So has there been kind of this like, you know, I think even last year, as you're already saying, like there is kind of this mental thing of like, we have to move into an actual sky blue color and have people associate it with the club. But, you know, from a design point of view, I think that there is power in mm-hmm. having that shade that people immediately link but mm-hmm. also it seems like such a small detail maybe to some that having that that identity so easily like just come through everything. So in terms of where that sky blue is going to live in, you know, in theory we've got games soon. I'm guessing the kits are incoming, but like more merch, all this other stuff that comes comes mm-hmm. with a rebrand. Where is that blue going to live in terms of the identity? Yeah, it's it's incredibly important to us. I mean, our our, our three colors that we we settled on in this um, rebrand was essentially the um, the light blue, black, and white, which we call sky blue, Gotham black, and cloud white, which is a nod to our supporters group. Um, so you'll see those those are our three colors. I mean, you'll see them prominently, hopefully, in everything we do. I mean, there's certainly some applications where you might see just a black and white, but. Um, Keeping that sky blue coloring, to me, it's such an important homage to the past and to our history as a club and being sky blue. So um, to me, it's absolutely crucial that we we will continue to use that sky blue and that'll be a part of, of our branding. It's obviously part of the logo moving forward. So yeah, I mean, we like the black too. Um, we leaned <laughs> into that last year. I'm not gonna not gonna lie about that. Yeah. Um, but I think using the black and the blue um, simultaneously in a lot of different applications is, is what you can expect moving forward. Yeah, it is. It has been really interesting. Obviously, MLS has like leaned into black as a like very prominent <laughs> design color. Orlando shifted into black mm-hmm. a bit. But, you know, Portland and Sky Blue, I think, were the two teams that really like went there, went there. Uh, there was an old Chicago Red Stars jersey that mm-hmm. was a was a black home kit as well. Yeah. Um, FC Kansas City, I think, had one too. It's always interesting to see which teams are in the warmest climates going for black versus like a <laughs> Chicago or or Gotham FC leaning into the black and being like, well, technically our climate, we can probably handle it a bit better. Um, but yeah. do you have any any teases that you could maybe give on kits, et cetera, what, what the pun is there? Yeah, um, it's it's coming. I'm super stoked for it. Um, we're we're proud of the design. Um, what I can say is it's clean. It's a clean <laughs> design, which is kind of ironic because you're seeing a lot of um, teams in our league are going the complete opposite direction. Whereas I was this year, we wanted to lean into the logo. We're really proud of it, and we wanted to um, really showcase that. So our kit is probably the the cleanest I've ever seen. Um, it's it's a simple kit, um, but it's got a lot of meaning for us um, in some of the visual that is on it. Um, we're going to lean into black. Um, not yeah. going um, to hide that. Um, but we also have a, a, a brand new uh, sponsor, new partner on board. It's our, our biggest partner we've had in, in our history here at the club. 
um, that will be on our jersey front. So we're excited to announce that as well um, as we go forward. But um, yeah, I, I think the simple version is that it's a it's a clean kit, which is a, a quite a difference from where a lot of our colleagues are going in the league. Um, but we wanted to lean into this rebrand and let that really showcase this year. So um, you're going to see some hints within the jersey um, towards uh, essentially our, our new logo, Statue of Liberty. Mm-hmm. Um, and some connotations towards that that have just a lot of um, kind of meaning behind behind just the kit. You're going to find a lot of meaning within it that we'll explain. Okay. Just in terms of, you know, nodding to to sponsors, but obviously there has been, in addition to the design trends maybe going in a different direction, there has been a lot of... <laughs> do it. My, my dog is really like just running through this entire podcast today. Um, but there has been a lot of like bigger NWSL trends in terms of money coming in to teams, right? Sky Blue FC has not had those announcements, but I do want to know, has anyone made the ask for like Bruce Springsteen to be like, Hey, would you like to be an NWSL? Like where, where, if you have like a target list of iconic New Jersey, New York people, first of all, is Bruce Springsteen at the top of the list? My producer on this podcast is listening very intently for your answer (laughs) as a New Jersey person. But what, what is that like iconic investor list looking for you? Yeah, I know Michael, the producer with that <laughs> Asbury Park reference early. <laughs> he's, uh, he's, he's looking at Bruce, but um, yeah, I just want Bruce to come, you know, let's have him come sing at a game or something. Yeah. We, could, we could start there, just see how the relationship goes. Um, I know he's, he's tuning into this podcast. So, you know, yes. Bruce, reach he out. is a regular listener, of course. I, I, I don't know why you would think anything, anything different. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there's no lack of celebrity, um, in this area, New Jersey, New York. So, um, you know, it's certainly, uh, we, we wouldn't mind having a little, a little star power behind it as well. Um, you know, getting jealous of all my colleagues and all their, their fancy owners and investors around the league. Um, but yeah, we've, uh, we've got a, a cool new brand and a new vision moving forward. So I'd imagine we're going to get a lot more phone calls over the uh, coming weeks here. Okay. I just, you know, it, it wouldn't be, a New Jersey episode without at least one reference to Bruce yeah. Springsteen. Like, I feel like that is, has Bruce Springsteen come up? Is there, has been there like a, you, you guys do trivia uh, via zoom. Has there been like an entire Bruce Springsteen category? Not yet. Um, but we have trivia. I think by the time this goes live, we will have had trivia cause it's Wednesday night, but um, we have a true false trivia tonight and it's about New Jersey. New okay. Jersey. So um, there's probably going to be a question there, quite honestly. Okay. Yeah, okay. I think it's going to come tonight, the Wednesday night. So by the time this goes live, fans will know what the question was. <laughs> Sounds good. All right. So earlier in this episode, you said, okay, I've, I'm working on things now that are maybe two, three years out, right? And I'd like to be held accountable for in terms of big picture stuff, right? Again, the the stadium set up is good. The training facility is good. Again, like just in terms of the culture, obviously as, as the team closest to me, I have watched kind of a lot of this work happen. Um, but what, what comes next, Mm -hmm. right. In terms of the rebrand is now done. What does that unlock for you in terms of what comes next? Yeah, I think we alluded to some of them earlier, but talking about, you know, the the partner portfolio and um, increasing our sponsors, we're really grateful. We've had some sponsors here at this club um, for years that have been, you know, we're with Sky Blue through through everything um, and 
still have stayed on board some major partners, NJM, HMH, ShopRite. Um, so we're really grateful to those partners, but um, we also are on the precipice of a lot, lot bigger opportunities as well, um, just in terms of what we can offer. You know, moving to a venue like Red Bull Arena with its capabilities and video boards and LEDs and things like that just really enhances what you can offer to a partner. We've mm -hmm. certainly expanded what we do digitally as well as a club. Part of it kind of pandemic induced. We had to move everything to a digital world. So we have a lot more assets now um, than I feel we did even, you know, two years ago which is great for potential partners and, and return on investment. And I think right now, just with the fan excitement around the rebrand and, and the things we're seeing, we had a huge merchandise sales day with the launch. Um, obviously the kit's about to drop. So, um, you know, things are going in an upward trajectory. And even over the last year, we had some of our, our biggest moments. You know, we had our biggest merchandise sales day last year during the pandemic when we launched our kits. Um, mm -hmm. So, and all of our sponsors last year stayed on board in spite of the pandemic. We didn't have to do any make goods for future years, which was incredible to retain 100% of your, your sponsor revenue during a pandemic. Most of our season ticket members, you know, kept kept their money in and either took it as a credit for this year now or kept it as a, a digital membership, which they converted. So the support has been tremendous, even, even through the pandemic and how we've been able to navigate that. But obviously with this rebrand, it's, it's kind of a, a bold new day for this club. Um, in terms of um, just branding and awareness and um, I think more fans coming into the ecosystem. So all of those things are going to parlay really well into hopefully, you know, attracting more partners. Um, even looking at investors, I mean, the amount of phone calls that we've had, um, even pre-rebrand pre, um, launch day, um, the uptick has been tremendous. And that just speaks to the league as a whole and what we're seeing around the league right now. There's a lot of interest. I think people are realizing they're going to miss out on the bandwagon here of getting on <laughs> women's soccer as it's kind of on this rocket ship right now. Terrible pun with all the, the jerseys. That, you know, but, um, but true. Yeah. Um, so I think this there's just been a, a huge uptick in interest and it's long overdue. And for somebody that's been around women's pro soccer for a very long time now, it feels exciting and I feel really optimistic. Yeah, I, I just remember I, I had a photo pop up, you know, how your phone loves to just be like, here are 10 random photos for you to look at that, that they're not even like attached to a specific day half the time. It's just like, here are 10 photos from your camera roll. Have fun. Um, but there was one from, I think it was the first 2019 home game for Sky Blue FC when Cloud9 had their TIFO of like change will not come from above. Right. And then I think about the one that they had at Red Bull, which is like a brand new day, right? And I just, I, I think you, we can tell this entire story across two displays from the supporters group and what they're probably going to have for, you know, the first game back for the, you know, I think Challenge Cup is kind of one thing because it's not necessarily at Red Bull, but like when the regular season returns, when the team is able to get back into Red Bull Arena with the new rebrand, with all of this other stuff, like, I just kind of have been mentally going like, what is the third final display going to be like in this sequence? <laughs> I'm in the same boat you are. I'm waiting to see. Let's uh, that. I still have chills. That's actually one of my favorite photos. I think of my soccer journey as well is that it's a beautiful new day. I, I still have it on my desktop and I look at it all the time. And it honestly, for me was, um, kind of this quintessential image that I used as we were exploring this rebrand because there were just things about it that were so powerful to me. And it has this kind of sky blue connotation and there's a rising sun. And that to me was 
it's a little abstract, but when I look at our new logo now, I see that. I see that it's a beautiful new day, TIFO, every time. And it reminds me of Cloud9. It reminds me of the fans, the support that they kept with us through the years, through all the ups and downs that we went through, through their being patient with me when I came in and giving me time to, to work on this project. Um, but that, you know, the the crown of the Statue of Liberty, um, and some say that it is is um, kind of homage to the rising sun, but it reminds me of that TIFO. So I'm actually really glad you brought that up because that to me is such a strong correlation between our current logo and and just has all of those representations for me. So um, yeah, we'll see what the next TIFO is. And if I have to change the logo because of it, if it's you know bigger and better, I guess it's, uh, it's a wait and see for me too. I mean, to be fair, that's kind of like the trend in, in American soccer anyway, is just like, oh, well, okay, we're, we're it, is it two years later? Okay, it's time for a rebrand again. <laughs> I, I did want to end with you on, on this note though, of just, you know, Sky Sky Blue FC as as a club was one that still had this claim on kind of an unbroken history, right? Like we have we have seen clubs relocate, we have seen rebrands, we have seen all of this stuff, and in women's soccer in particular, there is not always this. I don't want to say willingness, but like you have to work, I think, to have this history told, right? Because we have had this kind of like broken chain of professional leagues. We have had teams come and go. There is not this like nice, tidy narrative around the history of women's soccer in this country. And I think one of the the bigger things about a rebrand, right, is that you don't want to lose sight of that history, even as you're creating a new identity and even as that might be opening a door to new things, mm-hmm. that you don't want to close the door on the stuff that came behind you. And so mm-hmm. How did you kind of navigate that that balance of saying, okay, maybe there isn't an attachment. Maybe this thing doesn't necessarily represent the fans that we have right now, but also we still need to show that we know where we came from. Yeah, as, as you're talking about that unbroken history, I remember I, I met you at a Red Stars Breakers game back in 2012 WPSL Elite. Yes. I think yep. it was the year, right? Yep. So you know, yep. Meg and I are going way back here. <laughs> Our, the one year we didn't have a pro league there. Um, yeah. But uh, yeah, I mean, I, I felt such a responsibility in this project and that's why it was delicate and why it was a, a, a long project um, because you have to be a caretaker for this. We've got, you know, I've, I've only been here a couple of years. We've got fans that have been with this club for over a decade. That's, that's pride you know, and sticking with it and being a part of this. So um, it, it's very delicate to go into something like this. I, 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 again, somewhat generic, but I keep going back to this. This was a fan-driven project. So as long as they were sort of involved in it and able to give their feedback, I sort of felt like that history was going to come with it because there is a lot of pride and there were, you know, it, it's challenging to move away from that history, like you said, while at the same time you can be optimistic and excited for this new door opening, you don't want to completely close everything from the past. So I think there's a lot of cool elements that came forward and ways that we were still able to pay homage to sky blue. Again, the coloring, you know, we're, we're using the sky blue color. That's, that's its name moving forward. Um, having NJ, you know, prominently in the logo as well. Um, and in the name really important um, and sort of staking that flag down. Um, and then there's some other little, call them Easter eggs, but all the little hidden elements within within the logo or within the name, um, you know, the, the white colors, Cloud9, that's still an homage to our supporters group. Um, if you look at the logo, the YJ, 
I know if I say this out loud, nobody's going to be able to unsee it, but it looks <laughs> a lopped off nine. So there's a little yeah, nine yeah. in there as well. Um, I also said it's the ninth year of NWSL. So there's all these little connotations you can take that have kind of a historic reference for us. And I think folks will find more along the way as we continue this project, but um, crucially important that it had all these elements from the past because we're not shutting a door. We're, we're still the same club. We have, a, we have a long history. There's a lot of pride in it. There's a lot of challenge in it. There's a lot that we overcame through the years. Um, there's pride in that overcoming challenges. Like you, you wear that like a badge, you know, that, that we've been through a lot. The players have been through a lot. Um, so we wanted to carry a lot of that history with us because it's, uh, you know, still Jersey. We're still in New York. We got a chip on our shoulder. So you want to make sure we carry that with us. We couldn't lose that along the way. <laughs> All right. Let's, I think that is, that is a perfect, perfect place to end. If you want to point people in the right direction now to now follow uh, Gotham FC and where they can do that and, and perhaps where um, they might be able to buy merchandise such as the hoodie that you are wearing. This I stole from the player's locker room. So the one <laughs> I'm wearing, I'm sorry, it's not it's not public. I just didn't even have time to get into the merch boxes yet, but there's one like it. So you can yes. have one like this just with the logo. But um, yeah, we're keeping it simple. GothamFC.com. Kept it simple for everybody. You can find us at GothamFC um, on most of the social handles as well. And um, the shop is there at GothamFC.com. So you can grab, we just did a um, inaugural launch collection. So pretty basic hoodies, tees, the new scarf. And uh, the big collection is coming soon for, for the year. So there's going to be a lot more coming. And my, my sister demanded, I think, a crew neck, a tank top. Um, and she's not a soccer follower. So I was like, okay, we're on to something here. Yeah. This. We've got a brand that I think uh, will extend beyond just our, our most fervent soccer supporters. So that was a, that was a good sign for me. Right. Yeah. I think everyone's wallets are, are already, <laughs> already feeling it. Uh, I saw your so. order. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. You know, you. just, I, I definitely need another hoodie. That is a hundred percent what I need since I have an entire basket of them that I just <laughs> rotate through. So it's great. Who doesn't? Yeah. All right. Well, Elise, thank you for, again, finally, finally being on the show. I super appreciate the time and uh, good luck to you and surviving the Challenge Cup because it's all starting. It's all starting. I know we uh, we don't start till, ne till next week. So we actually get yeah, to you have a little, a little bit of time. Which is nice. Yeah, I need a breather for just like half a second here before we uh, we head down to Orlando. So that's nice. But uh, yeah, thanks for having me on, Meg. Love the show and uh, go Gotham. Thank you to Elise for hopping on Zoom to discuss all things Gotham FC and for also tolerating DeWitt's willingness to be a part of the show today. I know some of <laughs> you have used the full-time listener survey to ask for more DeWitt content and well, she delivered. All right, one more thing. I have been in the position of having to pay my own way to cover women's sports and knowing that the costs far outweigh what I might make via freelancing. Erica Ayala is fundraising to head to the 2022 Olympics, and she is obviously one of the people on the women's hockey beat and has done some early coverage of Team USA here at The Athletic. If you would like to help her get to the games, that link is in the show notes. I highly recommend it. Making sure that we get real good coverage of women's hockey always a good thing all right so the listener survey is still up and running for another day i'm going to turn it off friday night after the first two nwsl challenge cup games so if you have not filled it out you still have a little bit of time as always the home for the show is at fulltimepod.com where you can find links to all the major podcast 
platforms for this show, the 2021 trailer, the link to the listener survey, and everything else you might need. My name is Meg Linehan, and you have been listening to Full Time with Meg Linehan. You can always find me on Twitter and Instagram at It's Meg Linehan and my work at The Athletic. Full Time does not exist without the work and support of senior podcast producer Michael Zimmerman. From The Athletic, I'm Meg Linehan, and thank you for listening. Thank you.